Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 155. Before we get into the topic today, which is going to be the secondary play, the recognizing the what-if type plays, let's talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. And let's talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. We want to welcome our two newest patrons, Joe Kaiser and Tony Webb. Thank you guys very much. Uh, we really do appreciate your support. As always, we appreciate all of our patrons, but we definitely want to continue to encourage people to come on board and, and go to patreon.com. The good news is that the uh, numbers of patrons has gone up here in those last six weeks or so, which keeps us enthusiastic and optimistic that we're going to get there. But we need to see just as many people in the next six weeks as we got in the last six weeks to come on board if we want to keep this thing moving and keep it growing. So go to patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. We're talking about three different levels of monthly support, and it would go a long way towards keeping the podcast alive. No, I was going to say, Tori, that's uh, exciting when we get a little bit of help on that end. and. Uh... It all counts. Every every one of you count that, that are able to get on board with us. Yeah, and we so, appreciate it. And if you do see value in what we're doing, if, if we're being helpful to you, if it's something that you see you know, some benefit in, do what you can to help us keep this thing moving forward. Don and I would love getting together. Uh, you know, The three of us you know, get to catch up and chit-chat a little bit and, and talk about softball, and it's a fun thing to do. Uh, so we want to keep it rolling. On this week's topic is teaching your players to understand and see and start to plan for and recognize the secondary play, the what-if play. And so just to kind of give our listeners a little bit of an idea, you know, one of the things that you start to see with players, and even at, at some very young ages, that they start to be able to think about when there's no runners on base, well, ground ball goes to first, fly ball goes to second, those kinds of things. And they start to think about it in a very fundamental, very basic way of the most basic opportunity, the most basic likelihood of what's going to happen when this ball gets hit. And that's a great place to start. But as we get older, as the players get better, as their level of play increases and improves, what we're hoping is that they start to get beyond that most basic play and start to think about the what-if kinds of plays, the the oh-no kinds of plays that can happen. And so, you know, that uh, routine ground ball that you were thinking should go to first well, is it still a routine ground ball if it takes a bad hop and I field it off my chest? Is it still a routine ground ball if I you know, go deep in the hole and, and make a diving stop? It, you know, those kinds of things, which can change that plan that I had in my head when I was thinking about, well, ground ball should go to one. Right. No, no. as you're saying that, Tori, I'm seeing a, a nobody on base, ground ball to shortstop, the ball gets thrown away. And now we've got to turn and get the ball and make a play at second. So center field could be in a backup role there where otherwise, you know, moving towards the ball towards shortstop is good. But 
but that would be the secondary thing that they would have to be responsible for. Right. Well, and, and when we think about it, you know, the, the primary part of that, so let's say it's a ground ball to the shortstop, it takes a bad hop and it hits her in the chest. She rears back and she just chucks it, throws it wide of the bag and there's no play at first base. Well, now hopefully our catcher and right fielder did their jobs. They're down there backing up the play. So for them, they're thinking about maybe throwing that girl out at second. Well, that also means my center fielder who started off, you know, backing up the potential ground ball to the shortstop now has to be in a position to back up a potential throw to second base from wherever the catcher or right fielder are picking it up over by the fence. You know, the left fielder went from, you know, moving to, you know, back up the ground ball to the shortstop to now she's got to think about, well, where's the next most likely play if it's not at second? Well, maybe I need to be backing up third. You know, so there's all kinds of different what if scenarios yeah. that can develop. And to me, the thing that always separates the good teams from the very good teams from the great teams is that ability to think about the secondary play, the what if, you know, the the high hopper, how does that change things? You know, the blooper, how does that change things? You know, the speed of the runner, how does that change things? And all those different factors can make a big difference in what my play would end up being. You know, and, and so I think for all of our players, if we want them to continue to grow, um, we as coaches have got to start to teach and, exp- and, and especially expose them to those kinds of situations. So we need to you know, come up with the much more challenging scenarios in practice. We need to be you know, simulating much more challenging things so that our players start to see the possibilities and start to think about the, the ways that they can continue to impact the game positively, even if something unusual does happen. No, I, I like that idea. And you kind of have to do it and feel it in practice to, to really, truly get it. And um, you know, we're going to be going into the colder months and you've talked about having a, a reduced size infield and you know, shifting and moving to, to some of those responsibilities in a, in a smaller space where it's not as tiring to, to do right. it a number of times. And, you know, so I like when uh, in the past we've talked about that in the, the smaller area that's available or just making it a smaller area so that we can do it more efficiently. Right. And I think that one of the things that's uh, where experience is important, you know, for younger players, and again, I think this might be something that the depth of the discussion and the depth of, uh, of expectation is going to change drastically depending upon the age, age of the players. Yeah. You know, if you're coaching very young players, eight under, 10 and under, that first year rec league, first year of coach pitch type situations, if we can get those kids to be thinking about making the fundamental play, I think we've accomplished a lot. We got to win. Yeah. yeah. So if we if we've got a ten and under team, and every one of those kids knows what their job is on the on the routine play, the fundamental play that's that's most likely to happen. If we can get to where everybody's good at that, then we can start to increase the 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 range, increase the the scope of what we're going to be asking them to learn, and then we start to get into more and more complex ideas as they get older and they're capable of handling it. You know, I don't think if you've got a really young team, talking about the third possibility of what could happen in a situation probably is going to be very productive because it's going to overwhelm them. But if you've got a player who's a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, and she understands, well, you know, ground ball should go to first. But in her mind, she's already thinking about, but if it's a high hopper, then what changes? Hitter is super fast. If I get a three hopper, and that really fast girl, what does that change? And does it still allow me to make that play over to first base? You know, if I dive for a ball, what does that mean for can I make a play? And, you know, sometimes the 
things that they recognize from thinking through those other options is that it kind of prepares them mentally so when something like that happens, they've already you know, rehearsed it in their mind. They've already planned it out in their mind. So if it's a super fast runner, she hits a ball deep in the hole to me at shortstop, and I dive and stop it. I'm not going to you know, pop up on my knees and just chuck the ball across the infield and thinking I'm going to throw her out because I've already planned it out in my head. I know she's way too fast for she's me to... She's quickest kid. Yeah, yeah. For, for me to have dove into the 5-6 hole to be going that far away from the play and then you know throw from my knees and throw her out is not going to happen. Only something bad's going to happen right. now. So, yeah. so by thinking through to that next level, you know, we've still made a great play. We still have done a really good job, but we've also been aware enough to not turn that good job into a, a potential problem. And just as you're saying that, the same goes if that might be one of their less quick kids. Right. That might be a time for me to try that. Right. And, yeah. And that's a yeah. perfect, that's a perfect example, Don. So then, yeah, that same exact situation, but it's the slowest kid on the other team. I can dive deep in the hole, throw from my knees, you know, throw the one hop, throw across the infield and still have a chance to make the play. But only if I'm evaluating what's going on right. in the next and, level. And yeah. hopefully what's happening, too, is all the uh, my other teammates are thinking about that same possibility. If my right fielder doesn't back up first base because she sees me dive in the hole and thinks, well, she's never going to throw it. All of a sudden I throw it. That's the time. And the right fielder's standing in right field watching it instead of backing up first base, then we could, you know, again, have potential problems. So I think the whole what-if idea... The thinking about it that way goes a long way. You know, another example is if you're in the outfield, well, fly ball goes two. Well, fly ball goes two, but what if it's a sinking line drive? If, is, is this a ball I should dive for? Is this a ball I should play safe? What's the, the score? The, where right, are we at in the, the game? You know, all those different kinds of things. So again, the, the what if possibilities are going to be so immense, so, so many options that you know, once we start to think along those lines, uh, it's just going to really help our players. And so for us as coaches, we've got to give them the experience, share with them our knowledge and, and our understanding. And uh, you know, just to kind of put this in perspective, you know, working with my college teams, I had five or six years where we had teams that were really good at this, that really understood the, the what-ifs. The, the, we, we had a different, word, a different term than what-if. It was, oh, something. But those kinds of plays and how to make the best of that oh-something play or how to minimize the damage when it happened was a big thing that those teams were really good at, which set them up for much more success. And I would be willing to bet that of the 10 best teams I've ever coached, those five or six years are definitely in that group of the best teams ever. No, and, and uh, that's with the, with the older kids. It's a joy when, when they can do that just instinctively because of their experience. But right. what do you think about um, along the way with younger kids, the 12, 13, 14, 15 well, year old I, kids? I, I think we keep adding to the Rolodex. And can we, can we at, at those points in the game kind of say, hey, now this is that point and kind of just remind them that, hey, the game's on the line right here. If we don't get this, you know, this is a time for us to be diving or this is a time for us to be more guarded. Is right. that something we can uh, no, share? No, I think it, it definitely is. And, and again, it's, it's going to all come to back do to... Do some of that for them. Right, and yeah. it's going to come back to your philosophy as a coach, too. If you're... If, all or nothing. Or, right. Again, it's, it's important that you're or giving your kids the experience with it and, and you're sharing with them as much knowledge as you can. And I think your point, down about as it's unfolding, if it's the third inning and, and, and the score is one to nothing, 
you know, it's a little bit different than the bottom of the seventh and the score is one to nothing. This is the time that we right. all or nothing. Just being able to have those conversations along the way is going to go a long way towards the player starting to understand, oh, wait a second, you know, it's not the same all the time. It's not going to always be the routine play that I think about in my mind. And, and again, you know, when we talk about communication, it's always funny to me because when, like when I do a rent-a-coach and I try to teach teams to communicate better, and we'll start off with the most fundamental thing. And the, and the thing that's really sad to me is how many teams I've worked with that like the shortstop really doesn't think about the ground ball should go to first before the ball gets pitched. She hasn't even really gotten to that point yet of thinking about the most fundamental play. And so in those situations, if I can get a team to get, you know, the infielders all, hey, ground ball goes one, outfielders, hey, you know, ground ball goes two, to start with just to kind of break the ice, I feel like I've accomplished something because it's shocking to me how many teams just assume, just take for granted that these kids are going to know what they're supposed to do with the ball. Right. And I've watched, you know, some really good teams on TV, you know, lose games in the College World Series and things like that. You know, the that's uh, the shocking one. Yeah, the, the yeah. Oklahoma State thing where you know the girl tried to do everything right, but something went wrong, and that what if thing turned into you know, winning a game in the College World Series to losing a game in the College World Series, and that's you know, one of the best teams in the country. And that's, the, that's at the end. Right. It's just one of those you know, clear examples that you know, we can't do too much of this. You know, we, we have to do as much as we can. Um, and I think to your point, Don, you know, just be appropriate as the kids age up and as they get older and more experienced. Let's keep adding in more and more. And if you have the good fortune of being able to stay with a bunch of kids for a while, for a few years you know, back to back, you know, then you can start to see that progression, and hopefully they get to the point where the what-if play is just as routine as the routine play. Yeah, no, I think that is exciting, and we'll probably talk about this down the road at some point, but uh, I think there's so much value in teams sticking together so that we can, you know, nurture some of the, this mental game IQ stuff yep. over time, because when the kids are interchanging every year, and, you know, we talk about you know, groups of kids leaving and teams merging together. We we have to start back over so much that, right. that I don't think we really progress like we could if we could keep them together. So. Yeah, well, and because practice is hard <clears throat> enough to come by, we have to keep going back to square one. It, it's kind of nice to just be able to build on yeah. you know, a quick review of cutoffs instead of having to go, you know, get the chalkboard out and, sh- and, and draw all the pictures. A quick review of relays instead of having to start all over. You know, a quick review of some of those things would be a kind of a refreshing thing. Not the world we live in, unfortunately. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to work on that. Yeah. All right, so that's going to wrap up episode 155. Again, uh, make sure you check out Anderson Bad Company. Go to patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch if you can help us out, become a patron. Coach Don and I would really appreciate the support. We need to keep the momentum rolling. We need to keep adding patrons because uh, um, we're, we're still a ways from being out of the woods on this thing. Please make sure you go to fastpitchprep.com. That's where you can order your Square Cuts training discs. And also uh, have access to the uh, YouTube channel and the blogs. Um, tons of great information there. Make sure you reach out to us at everythingfastpitch at gmail.com or fastpitchprep at gmail.com with uh, suggestions for topics and uh, Player of the Week nominations and all that other kind of good stuff. So for Coach Don McKinley and our producer Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tori saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.